To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition. And there, in the midst of it all, stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. We've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Tarko Heidinga from leading real estate companies of the world. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. Michael Saunders is the founder and CEO of Michael Saunders & Company, a top Florida real estate firm headquartered in Sarasota, with an unmatched reputation for white-glove customer care and award-winning marketing. Michael Saunders, the person, is equally famous in Florida and beyond, not only as a business leader, but also for heading up countless philanthropic contributions to the Sarasota community via the MSC Foundation. There's even an official Michael Saunders Day in Sarasota. It's March 30th, by the way on which celebrants are encouraged to wear colorful scarves in honor of the iconic leader's signature accessory. And while Michael is undoubtedly an icon and one of the most elegant women you will ever meet, and that's saying something in the luxury real estate market, by the way, I challenge you to show me a business leader with more grit and drive than Michael Saunders. She's been a parole officer. She's worked with at-risk children and newly paroled adults. She's been a sales agent herself. And she started her company out of a 1,000-square-foot office on St. Armand Circle with a hard-fought-for loan of $5,000. This woman is a force. Now, Michael says that one of the secrets of her success is that she surrounds herself with people smarter than her. But don't let that fool you. Her success came first from within, and her brilliance continues to drive her company and those who are lucky enough to work with her to new heights. Let's hear from Michael about how she does it. Hi, Michael. It is so great to have you here. Thanks for being on the show. Jessica, it's wonderful to be with you and to be on your show. And we just got to hang out a little bit in person for our annual conferences in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. Uh, You were on stage. You were magnificent as always. Thank you for being there and bringing your incredible team to be part of the Leading Our community there. Well, it was wonderful to be, have so much alone time with you with 2,000 other attendees, (laughs) speakers and vendors. Uh, we had 27 agents that are still raving about the content, the networking, the connectivity, the elegance, and the how well run it all was. So uh, it was an exciting conference week, and I was uh, honored and humbled to be on stage. Thank you. And hearing you call us elegant is always an incredible compliment because you really, you, you do elegance the way no one else does. And actually, I'm going to talk to you about that in a little bit. For now, I would love to start with you giving an overview of Michael Saunders and Company, uh, a little bit of history and uh, the territory that you cover, um, which I have had the pleasure of seeing, gorgeous Sarasota and beyond. Uh, talk to us about, about your company. Well, I think that uh, we are entering our 47th or 48th year 
It has been an incredible journey. Uh, the journey with uh, a young girl raised on the seashore on a barrier island uh, right off Sarasota with sand between my toes and water lapping my feet and absolutely pristine environment. Uh, growing up with a dream, and that dream was to be an attorney, quickly turned into doing probation and parole work. I taught school for a year knew that my whole goal and my whole vision was to make a difference in people's lives. So when I left the probation and parole field, which I could make a difference, but then I had a child and was a single mother and what could I do? So transferable skills, communication, motivation, deep caring, making a difference, probation and parole to real estate. I loved crazy people. So real estate was perfect. It is. Started the company, worked for someone else, didn't see the values, didn't see the standards that I thought should be in place for something that where you're next to a brain surgeon or, you know, an attorney when you need it. I mean, when you buy a house, it's one of the most important decisions you make for you and your family. So I thought that was a place I could make a difference. And I didn't see it happening at other companies. Uh, I didn't see offices being a place that was attractive to agents or clients. I didn't see any company that had values as their guiding force. So uh, in 1976, I said, I can do this. And they say fools rush in where angels fear to tread. So in the beginning, it was just a dream, grit, determination. Being a woman in business uh, in those days wasn't as easy as it is today. Thank goodness for today. We still have a long way to go, but we're getting there. Uh, so I started a company based on values, one office, serving the upper end of the market, waterfront then grew my offices, but always focused on waterfront, didn't do dry land, and then built a company with values and attracted people who had those same values. And then our customers said, well, wait a minute, we have parents that are coming down, they don't want to live on the water. But, and I said, well, we'll refer you to someone. They said, no, 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 Michael, we trust you. You will work with our parents. We are not working with anyone else. So then I saw making a difference was important to me, but trust of the clients was what grew the company. And so we opened multiple offices. We have 23 today. Uh, we really believe in full service, not only to our agents, but to our clients. We have non-selling managers. We have uh, for 650 agents. We have Again, the non-selling leaders, we have division heads, 11 people in marketing, six people in technology, business development, mortgage, title, insurance. So that's all grown over the years to meet the needs of our agents and people. So it was really combining a vision with values, building a culture, adding technology. And here we are today. And we did... Uh, three billion seven last year, four billion seven the year before. Uh, so 2021 was an incredible year. 
22 was the best year in the company, second best year in the company's history. And so we are now in the midst of an exciting, normalizing market. It is, it is normalizing, but we all seem to be still uh, keeping very busy. So, Michael, you, you have a values-based company. You mentioned grit. You mentioned determination. You mentioned trust. All of those are there. Talk a little bit more about some of the other values that are, that are at the core of your company and also how, as you have continued to grow exponentially over the years, you continue to infuse those values across all layers of your company. That's that can be really challenging as as a company grows. How do you do it? Well, I think that at first I interviewed everyone from I mean every single person that joined the company. And as we grew geographically because we cover three counties, Manatee County, Sarasota County, and Charlotte County. So as we grew my arms weren't long enough to touch everyone and see them every day. So it was to really formalize our values, which is number one, integrity. That means relationships based on trust. So we have four values. We have the results from that, that, that value. So integrity, relationships built on trust. Excellence, exceeding expectations. Mutual profitability mutually beneficial to all stakeholders, and then communication, amicable and collaborative communications with all. So we have the value, the results, and then we have different uh, tactics uh, added to those. So we hold everything up to that, Jessica. If uh, I don't care what kind of production an agent does, uh, if they can't live up to those values, then this is not the company for them. So we may, over the years, have lost some volume production, maybe unit production, but we have a brand that agents know that they have to adhere and be aligned with those values, but they also have to treat everyone with respect and they have to be collaborative. So it's really built a company that will go on it's the legacy is in the people, not necessarily with me, but the people who help build this company and this rich fabric that we are, because everyone that ha- is here is a f- thread through this rich fabric and it keeps getting richer as we add people to it. So it's all about the people. I've always hired people smarter than I am and I've just been fortunate to work shoulder to shoulder and side by side with an amazing team over 47 years. The values that you instill in your in your team and that you ensure across all layers of your company also spill out into the community. Michael Saunders and Company Foundation is um, my wrist got tired scrolling through all of the different um, companies that you support and and the incredible work that you do in the community. Talk a little bit about the birth of Michael Saunders and Company Foundation, the intersection with the core work that you do, and what drove you to really spend that kind of energy and heart uh, in something that doesn't necessarily relate directly to your bottom line. Well, I think that it's interesting that 
Drayton and I and my son and partner Drayton Saunders joined me 20 years ago. So we both, I have always, always been very, very involved in the community. I mean, there are very few organizations of large size that I haven't served on the board. Some of them, you know, the, our botanical garden, Selby for 17 years, Moat for 15 years, which is Moat Marine, does uh, marine research, uh, the Gulf Coast Community Foundation uh, that does amazing work. Drayton involved everywhere. We both serve on the EDC. and uh, But we felt that we involved agents but in 2010, when we were all still really hurting and we hadn't come out of that 2007 aid, and for us it started in 06, we felt we were hurting, but there were so many people who were hurting more. And so we determined in 2010 to begin this foundation and that agents, when they did make a sale, they would contribute something. They can, I think our minimum is. $50, might be $25, but I think it's $50 a transaction. Staff would do payroll deductions. Leadership would do payroll deductions. Drayton and I don't determine where the money goes. There's an agent council and divisions have their representative. There's a form they fill in. We vet the organizations. And then this council makes the determination of who we give it to. So we don't cover like uh, United Way or the Red Cross. I mean, we do vetted not-for-profits in our three counties that might not be on the radar of a lot of people, like backpacks for kids to take home on weekends that come from disadvantaged homes, uh, early education tutoring. So if it's sustenance, if it's a way to a future, if it's for housing or for education, that's what the foundation does. So we've given away about a million to our agents have to be involved in the organization that they put up for a grant. So they have to be involved and be able to speak for that foundation. But the most wonderful thing is what I've always believed is a sense of community and collaboration. We bring them to, uh, together two times a year to give the grants. And it's these smaller organizations that we might give four different grants out to different veteran organizations that do different things for veterans. They don't know each other. So they meet each other at these events and then they work more collaboratively together. So it's not just the money we give them. It's the networking ability we give them, which is what leading real estate companies of the world is all about. It's what Michael Saunders and company is all about. So the foundation is just our extension of being very grateful to a community that has helped us and our feeling that giving back is in our DNA. Beautiful. And really also what real estate is all about, right? It's finding home. It's finding community. It's, it's the soul exactly. of what we do. So um, in terms of uh, sort of the, the intersection of, of community and real estate, in terms of the way that you grow your, your network of agents and leadership, when you, are, when you Michael Saunders, are looking for leadership uh, to add on, and I know you just brought on somebody fabulous, Chip, who I've had the pleasure to meet, you just, you find these great people. What is it that 
um, you think makes a great leader? Great leader, first of all, has to care deeply. Uh, for us, they have to be aligned with our values. So hard to tell in an interview process how great a listener they are and how much they truly will care in the job. But I think that it's easier to determine an alignment of values. And that is really the first thing we talk about. But it has to be someone that cares deeply about making a difference. Uh, I believe everyone in this company is a leader. So when I hire a receptionist, they better lead because they're our frontline ambassador. So everyone in any role, agents, they all represent the brand. They must be a leader. They must care. They must want to make a difference. They must listen and communicate well. So there are a lot of major and less major, but those are the most major things in terms of the skill set that, of course, someone has to have. I mean, you can't uh, hire someone to do social media that doesn't own a cell phone. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you have to have a certain skill set. But after that, I think the uh, intrinsic things they bring uh, are important. So I never refer to them as managers. They're all leaders because management is one thing, leaders are something else. So something that is making the news headlines a lot and that's a buzz in our industry is all of these new technologies that help with connection, that help you reach your clients, that help you find your people and meet with your people and talk to your people. What are your thoughts on all of these new technologies, Michael? I definitely think technology has helped us be efficient in some ways. But I think what it has really created is agents, companies that depend on it. What you have to depend on in this business is relationships, face-to-face, voice-to-voice. Those are the first two things. And all the technology in the world will not replace the trust you build in a face-to-face relationship. All the CRMs in the world that you get is not going to help you unless you pick up that phone and keep in touch with your past clients or past customers that haven't bought yet. So technology to me, I think is overhyped. I think it's all about relationships. I think that you can do without a lot of technology. I mean, if agents use 20% of the technology we have invested in over the years, I'd be thrilled. But they leave and go to another company because they have shiny new objects. It's back to basics. And the basic is the relationship. Technology just simply helps you track those, communicate effectively, quickly. But it is the relationship, the human touch that makes us who we are in making a difference in people's lives. When we started our conversation, you mentioned that you did not come straight into real estate. You had some incredible careers uh, before this. In terms of not just your experience in real estate, but before, 
Do you think some of your experiences then have helped to dictate your leadership philosophy and some of the ways that you intersect with the community? Well, I think when I did particularly probation and parole work, I saw very quickly that the carrot was better than the stick. And I got really tough young people, uh, male and female, really tough by the time I got them. They were on probation. They were on parole. They had probably been to a training school for young men or women. And so they had been treated with a stick. So I found that I was most successful with them in having them from within want to change. So I really saw from that experience that by to make a difference in their lives, I had to care. But then by doing that, they had to care about themselves. So I think that I learned that to be a good leader, I had to care first about myself my health, you know, my emotional and mental well-being, uh, being grounded, being centered inside, and then I could go out and make a difference. So I look for those in leaders today, as we talked about before, but I think I learned that from basically my experience doing probation and parole work. But do you know what, Jess? I learn every day. I mean, I don't think I've ever met anyone I haven't learned something from. Now, maybe it's what not to do, but I've learned something. Is there one experience in particular that you can think back on that has been particularly impactful in terms of the way that you've you've led and the way that you have created your company? Or just the way you wake up in the morning? Oh, I wake up in the morning doing gratitude. Yeah. Moments of gratitude, and I do it at night before I go to sleep, and I do it in the morning when I wake up, and it can be something very simple. It can be something profound, but it's something I am truly grateful about. Now, I'm not a good journaler, so I must say that I admire people who do that, but I do my moments of gratitude. Then it is to get a cup of tea, and it is to not touch my device until I am through my cup of tea with ginger and lemon. I've done my gratitude. I've done a few stretches. Ah, Maybe then I will grab my phone and see what might need to be attended to. But in terms of that's how I begin my day. But you asked about what was the one most impactful moment. Do you know that's really a hard one? I can say that, you know, today, an impactful moment was meeting with an agent who had gone to another company for a check, uh, was a wonderful agent that we hated to lose. Uh, She was a rising star. We had taken her when she first got in the business. She had grown her business to eight or nine million. She was, you know, lived and walked our values, great presence. And she had her head turned for a lot of empty promises and a big check. She came back. And so I met with her today. And when she came back, she said, could I come in and and just meet with you? And I said, I'd love that. I still mentor some agents, which I love. So she was in today and impactful and profound. She said, I'm home. I am home internally, externally. I can now see 
an incredible future for me in this business with you. So, I mean, those kind of moments where you see what you've worked 47 years to build has an impact. They might for a moment think there's something better, but eventually the ones that I really want come back. I mean, I, I, I want them home. This is home. This is where they will develop the best business with this greatest sense of pride because the community expects us to be a place that they can have a, a, an exceptional experience, but it's all based on trust and integrity. We talked a little bit about elegance here at the beginning, and I, I don't know if you know this, but over and over again, when I hear people talk about my Michael Saunders and company, and actually when they talk about you as a human too, the word that comes up over and over again is elegance. The company is elegant. The people that you attract have an elegance of service about them, an elegance of of, of heart. It It's not about sort of physical beauty necessarily, although, um, you know, there's, there's a radiance as well that I think is being referenced. What to you does elegance mean and why do you think this word keeps coming up? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think elegance can be kind of a state of mind. I don't think you can buy elegance. I think it's sort of doing things with refined beauty, uh, simplicity, a sense of style, an enormous attention to detail, every little detail I have focused on for 47 years. Um uh, I think it's creating that kind of experience, whether it be in a workplace or wherever it is in the community that's authentic, creative, really a classic style. I mean, I'm not a trendy person. We do turn our lens and move with the market as it moves, but you will see the same kind of classic attention to detail and refined beauty, it's restrained. So I don't know how to really define it, but I do think it is grace and simplicity. Beautiful. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the market too. We, we talked about normalization right now. We've talked about, um, you know, coming off of a couple of really, really hot years. Um, how are your leadership team and how are your agents talking to consumers right now? What do you see as sort of the, the big opportunities that are out there right now and some of the challenges that folks are needing to work through? Well, I think, first of all, let's start with leadership and agents, because if you really think about it, Jess, uh, we've all been through COVID. And then in our market, COVID, when you, know, you didn't know when you'd ever be able to leave your house let alone sell another house. Uh, then all of a sudden, the fire hose of buying online, sight unseen, wanting to get out of urban places where they couldn't get outside. So, I mean, we had a fire hose of business with multiple offers, sometimes 30 and 40 of them. Uh, and that was just, I mean, 21 was an incredible year. First half of 22 really a good year. So agents are now exhausted. And I mean, they've just been like this. So sometimes some of those old habits 
were forgotten. And then all of a sudden, for us, third quarter of last year, 22, the business just stopped, fell off the cliff, sort of. So now you have to deal with the agents before they can deal with their clients. So you have to care and you have to look at their mindset and get their mindset in the right place. So we've done that. We did that. We've done that. And we work every day on that. But now the consumers who lost out during the fire hose days and got tired of multiple offers, they're back in the market, but they are much more cautious. They still want the same thing. Sarasota and our surrounding counties are full of culture, incredible outdoor activities, a community that has a heart and soul with the involvement of many people. We talked about our foundation, but I mean, we are a community of givers and we are a community of great wealth as well in terms of some of the people who have settled here. And so they have become very involved. But now the same people are buying, but they're taking longer to buy. Inventory is increasing. But when there was zero inventory, if you have two months of inventory, agents think, oh, my God, I had a seller call me the other day and said, my house has been on the market 30 days and I don't have a contract yet. (laughs) I said, really? (laughs) I said, welcome to normal. (laughs) The average time on market is in if it's priced well, located well, and in great condition, is 60 to 90 to 120 days. And it's been on the market 30 days. I said, if you haven't had an offer in 60 days, call me back and I will talk to you about a price reduction. Because market, the market is still high demand for properly priced properties. So you kind of have to educate always. I believe that's huge for us to do to our agents and then critical for agents to do with their customers and clients. Because national headlines do not tell local real estate stories. Every market is different. They could be coming from a market that is so totally different than here. They need to get a baseline of where our market is. We provide that training, the tools for agents to do that. And so they need to educate them because, you know, sellers are expecting 2021 prices. Buyers are thinking the bottom's falling out of the market and there's going to be a bubble and it's 2007 prices. So you have to first educate. So I think that that's critical. And then I think you have to understand that everyone has been changed in some way as a result of COVID. I think that there's a lot more anxiety. There's a lot more uncertainty. So you need to be confident in your facts, confident in listening and hearing what they're saying, but also being very patient in helping them reach the right decision. Because I do believe consumers want certainty. And if there isn't the confidence on the agent's part to educate them, and then to emotionally give them the space and time to make that right decision, that's what we're working with our agents because we have a steady flow of well-qualified buyers. Fortunately for us, 60% of our sales today are cash. 
we have always been above 50% for years and years and years. So we have, we aren't as dependent, but then we have to tell agents, look, here's another way. Here's a chart. You can show them that a 50-year average of mortgage rates is 7%. I started this business when rates were 18%. So they're only 7%. Anybody who bought a house in the 90s knows this is... And today there's no prepayment penalty clauses uh, so they can refinance. So it is really giving, arming the agents with confidence that they know how to explain our local market versus our national market. And through Marcy Roselle at Leading RE, our economist, we are a big believer in sharing Marcy's uh, week, I mean, monthly updates with them. So I think we're finding uh, a healthy group of buyers who are just taking longer to make decisions. Uh, sellers are going to have to adjust prices. So that's the other thing we work on is be realistic in your pricing. So fortunately, we are in an enviable place to be. Beautiful weather, wonderful culture, fabulous A schools, and low taxes. So we're a low tax state, which is very appealing to people. If people can work remotely, why not do it from here than uh, downtown Manhattan or Chicago or anywhere else. Uh, So it's an enviable place. And so we still have high demand in all price ranges. And when I say 60% cash, we sell things from, you know, 200,000 to 20 million. So that's all price ranges. I know there's no sort of typical first-time home buyer, but in terms of the first-time home buyers that your agents are coming into contact with the most, what are some of the concerns that you're hearing from them or prospective first-time home buyers, right? Um, and how are agents talking to them about what opportunities are out there? Well, I think we always think of first-time home buyers as being young, first job, maybe newly married. Maybe not. Uh, Maybe some have wealthy parents and inheritance. So there are a lot of first-time buyers that have inherited as a great transference of wealth. If they're not transferring it, they've got parents that can help them. So, I mean, you've got to determine, first of all, where they're coming from. Uh, Secondly, first-time buyers can be people who have rented for their whole lives in Manhattan, maybe, I mean, or Chicago, and now are coming down in their 60s and you know, be a, being a first-time buyer. So it's explaining the process because this isn't something they do every day. So I think it's, a, again, educating them. What is the process of purchasing? What are the things you need to think about, whether you're mortgaging or getting or paying cash? Uh, what are your added costs of home ownership? So I think it really, again, it's like anyone else who buys. It's just the first time they've done it. So you might have to handhold more, but people forget and people don't buy things, buy it every day. So even if they haven't bought anything in seven or 10 years, they're a first time buyer in Florida in this market. It's true. It's true. 
All right, Michael, the question that I always end with, I want to end with you as well, which is of all of the leadership advice that you've received over your career, what is your favorite piece of advice that you find yourself coming back to over and over again? Well, I think really, you, as you know, values are the underpinning of everything I do, but it's higher attitude. You cannot train a positive attitude. So if you don't hire a positive attitude, you are at a loss from the get-go. So values, positive attitude, surround yourself with people smarter than you are, and then empower them delegate to them what you want them responsible for, but hold them accountable. So I just, and listen, uh, as much as we've talked, you can't believe I really can listen, but I can. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> Michael, I am so grateful for your time. It's always, I, I, I know on a podcast, it's, it's hard to relay this to the audience, but when you spend time with Michael Saunders, you leave feeling energized. It is absolutely an inevitability when you talk to Michael. And I have a feeling that our podcasters, although they can't see or be in the same room with you while they're listening, are going to have that feeling um, when, they, when they leave this podcast. Thank you, Michael. I cannot wait for the next time we get to hang out in person. Um, and I'm so grateful for you. I am grateful for you and all the wonderful relationships because it is a relationship business and all the wonderful relationships at Leading RE and Luxury Portfolio. It has been a huge part of my success. Always, always, always with connection. Thank you, Michael. Be well. Thank you. See you soon. 